Hi, Suspect listeners. Welcome back to another episode, episode 25. Let's give it up for two episodes in one week. I've been telling you guys that I wanted to be more consistent with the podcast. And now that I've figured out, you know, this technology problem, I think that we are on the right track. So I have... I had two cases to decide between today, and one of the cases I really want to take some more time to gather some more research on. So today's episode is going to be the first episode in our little Halloween series, I guess would be the way to word that. Honestly, any of these are scary and creepy and eerie enough, I guess, to be discussed around the dinner table on Halloween, but I'm going to be looking for ones that are rather unusual than the ones that we usually cover. So make sure that you're sticking around for the whole month of October so that you can catch all of those cases, all of those stories, and who knows, maybe we'll do like some paranormal stuff. I actually had a really good idea for a special episode that I'm not going to tell you guys what it is, but just make sure that you're staying tuned. That's all I'll say. I am recording this on Sunday night, well, midnight on Sunday, so I guess it's technically Monday, but it's still Sunday to me, so you guys will be able to listen to this on your way to work on Monday, or on your way to school, on your way to whatever you're doing in the beginning of the week, you will have a brand new Suspect episode, and I hope that you are as excited about it as I am. I hope that everybody listening enjoyed their weekend. Um, I know everybody likes to do different things on the weekend. Me personally, I am a huge football fan. Um, Probably the biggest, possibly the biggest female football fan you would ever meet. I love college and NFL football, so that's pretty much what I spend my weekends doing and what I spent this last weekend doing. My team lost on Sunday, the Broncos, so... If any of you watch football and you watch that game, you know that that was a hard loss, especially because we had a chance to come back and we fucking did not. But yeah, yeah, big football fan, love the game, love, I don't know, I get really sucked into it. I'm the kind of person that like screams at their TV while they're watching and (laughs) gets really fucking heated. So if any of you listening are big football fans, let me know who you root for. Let me know who you want to see win. Go to the championships if it's college or go to the Super Bowl if it's NFL. Let me know. I'd love to go back and forth with you guys. <laughs> so in honor of Halloween, I literally was on Pinterest last night for like an embarrassing amount of time, probably like three or four hours, just looking at like costumes and different like Halloween things, decorations, nails specifically. So I found these really cute Halloween nails that, hence the beginning of the podcast, they were the nightmare before Christmas. And the design didn't look that hard, like it was relatively simple. So, and I had all the colors that I needed for it. So I had the best idea, or so I thought, to try out this nail design. And at first it was going really well. I was like, oh my goodness, like this looks way better than I thought. I don't know if any of you listening like are, you know, living in legal consumption states, but for me personally, I always think that I'm some sort of like Picasso when I'm under the influence of marijuana. So I get really inspired to do all these things or I have canvases here that I've started on and then never finished probably like 10 of them 
just because when I'm under the influence, I think I am fucking Picasso, but I'm not. So needless to say, I finished about 30% of those (laughs) paintings or anything artistic that I start because once I, you know, kind of come down a little bit, I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't, this isn't as good of an idea as I thought. So I found these really cute fucking nails on Pinterest that were Nightmare Before Christmas. They had Jack's skeleton on them, like a little spider web. Um, and then like, you know, Jack's black and white suit, the stripes, like that was going to be the pinky nail, whatever. So I try it. You guys, I should have never done that. I wasted three hours of my life and just kept redoing it. And like, like I said, it didn't look bad at first, but then I kept fucking it up and hitting it like on my leg or my hand or something else around me while it was drying. And I probably put on nail polish and took it off like 10 times. And then finally, like when I went to do the little Jack skeleton again, I fucked up the eyeball and I was like, you know what? I'm fucking done. So I got my black nail polish out and just painted my fucking nails black because I was done. I was done. I was already down at that point. I was like, you know what? There's no coming back from here. This, this is fucking it. I just need to do something basic. So yeah, I went with the black. Um, and then I'm thinking I have some red nail polish. So I was thinking that maybe I could like, you know, splatter some blood on there or something spooky. I don't fucking know something creepy. That's probably what I'll do is the blood just because I feel like you can't really fuck up splatters, you know? Um, I don't know. I'll probably still fuck it up. (laughs) Fuck. I'll let you guys know how it goes. I'll post a picture on my Instagram. And actually, I took a picture of the Jack Skeleton I did. um, The Jack Skeleton that I did before I fucked up. So I'll post a picture of that too. But yeah, right now we're just solid black. Which I don't mind. You know, it goes with everything. And most of my closet is black. So I guess, I don't know. It works for me. But we'll definitely do the blood. I'll keep you guys posted. I had to tell you guys about that nail fail, though, because I was so... I just fucking knew. I texted all of my friends. I texted people with, like, pictures, and I was like, I'm about to do this. I just knew I was going to eat that up. What's that, TikTok? You really thought you ate. Give me that fucking plate. That's literally how I felt after I got done. That's literally how I fucking felt. (sighs) Anyways. Yeah. I see why people pay, like, the nail salons big bucks, because... That shit's fun. You know, I really saw the design and I told my friend, I was like, I bet you I could do this better. I was like, this does not look hard. The most simple, the most simple design I could not fucking do. So those nail ladies deserve every fucking dollar they get. Every fucking dollar. They be killing those designs. And I've seen some cute nails on TikTok and I'm just like, how? I think the problem for me personally, I'm just venting at this point. I'm sorry, listeners, but I think the problem for me personally is that I don't have steady hands, okay? I have fucking anxiety, so my hands are always shaking. Like, even if I just hold my hand out straight like I'm doing right now in front of my laptop, it's still not steady. I could never be a surgeon or a tattoo artist or any of that shit that those people would steady hand. I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. Um, Thank you, listeners, for sticking with me through that. That was Katie's episode of Spiraling for today. Stick with us for another one next week. Stick with me as I spiral. So before we jump into today's episodes, um, I don't know how many of you are listening on what platform or what, but on Spotify specifically, Spotify gives me the options to ask all of my listeners a question underneath every episode you listen to last week's episode i discussed squid games briefly so then i posted a question because i didn't know i could do this until after i recorded last week's episode because i'm 
technology I'm challenged technology wise so if you go back and look underneath last week's episode you'll see that I asked a question it was if you were on squid games and could choose what children's game to play what would you play feel free to go back and answer that next episode I'm going to be going over some of the answers that I got because I posted that question on my Twitter Instagram and Facebook I believe So I got some pretty interesting answers, and we're going to discuss that in the next episode. But that gives you guys a chance to go back and answer as well and maybe give me an answer I have not heard. So be sure also to check out under this episode when it's posted, when you're listening, to see what the question for this week is. It's going to be about our favorite Halloween movies. Now, I'm assuming most of you listening really like Halloween because you're listening to a crime podcast, unless you just like to listen to fucked up shit. I'm assuming that a lot of you like Halloween. Now, for a person like me, personally, I wish it was Halloween 24-7. Like, if we could walk around with crazy makeup, crazy hair, crazy costumes, not even. If we could just have, like, skulls and, like, dark colors and all kinds of shit out, like, all the time, I would love that. That would be 10 out of 10. I have a skull on my... um, fucking dresser right now just chilling just chilling he looks beautiful too so I say all that to say that I personally am so excited that it is October the best month of the year so with October comes Halloween and with Halloween comes of course the scary movies now if you're like me the scary movies are not limited to October I'm watching one of those every week But I want to talk about my personal favorite classic Halloween movies. And then I want you guys on Spotify to tell me what yours are. I'm going to leave that question under this episode. So personally, I have like, I don't know. I have a lot of favorite Halloween movies, scary movies. But I'm just going to talk about my two favorite classic Halloween movies. Obviously, number one, Hocus Pocus. How could that not obviously be on your top Halloween movie list? Number two, Halloween Town. Do you guys remember this movie from when we were kids? And they made like a few of them, but I loved Halloween Town. I was so excited when October came around because I knew they were going to be playing that on Disney Channel and I knew they were going to play it multiple times. <sighs> I lived for Halloween Town. I'm definitely going to have to watch that this week. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. So, yeah, minor hocus pocus. And Halloween Town, not Halloween Town specifically, probably the first one if I had to pick, but just the whole like aspect of Halloween Town was fucking phenomenal. The best movie. Today's kids will never, ever know the greatness of Halloween Town unless they have young parents that put them on that. Like my best friend, Rachel, she has a baby, and I know that when her baby is growing up, I know that she is absolutely going to put him on that. He's definitely going to watch that, as will my kids, so... If you haven't seen either of those movies, which I don't know how old you guys are listening, but go watch them. Let me put you on. Go watch them. I don't care how old you are. Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town. Any of them. Fantastic movies. Tell me what your favorites are in the question. I'll be looking forward to it. This is something I like to talk about. Okay, so today's case, like I mentioned, um, is kind of revolved around Halloween well not really kind of it happened on Halloween so it's very revolved around Halloween and this isn't one that I feel like it's talked about super often unless you're specifically looking up like true crime Halloween cases or murders that happened on Halloween or anything like that 
but this isn't like a case that I've seen a lot of people do podcast on or episodes or anything like that really so I'm excited to tell today's story um, it's obviously an awful story but I think that but I think that you guys will be intrigued with the storyline and kind of baffled by all of it really so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna go ahead and jump into today's case yay Okay, so the case that we're going to be talking today about is the Lisk family. I think it's pronounced, I think it's pronounced Lisk and not Lisk. I've been saying Lisk in my head, so that's what we're going to run with. The Lisk family murders. And we're going back to 2010. So here we are. Let's set the setting here. Okay, so on October 31st, Halloween 2010 in Sandusky, Ohio, Devin Griffin returns to his house after performing in his Sunday morning church service that afternoon. Devin was only 16 years old at the time, and he wanders up to his room just to play some video games. And anybody who's ever been to church on a consistent basis in your life, you know this is kind of the mood when you get home. You're like, okay, let me eat. Let me maybe watch football for approximately 17 minutes, and then let me take a nap, and then possibly go back to church that night. So he just goes up to his room to play some video games. And about 1.30, he begins to wonder why he doesn't really hear anybody in the house. He doesn't hear his mom. He doesn't hear his stepdad. He doesn't hear anybody. His mother, Susan Lisk, who was 46 at the time, would normally be out of bed by 1.30, and he was just kind of curious as to why she wasn't so Devin goes downstairs to the master bedroom and he finds his mom in bed next to his stepfather Bill Lisk who was 53 at the time their maroon comforter was pulled up over their heads so Dylan starts talking like any of us have done a million times to try and wake our parents up when they're still sleeping just being loud just go in the room be loud So that's what he starts to do. He starts talking very loudly. He walks around to her side of the bed and he sees her foot coming out from beneath the covers. He taps on her leg. No response. Devin continues to talk to Susan and he pulls the covers down a little bit. And that's when he sees her pillow soaked with blood. For a moment, he thought that it had to be a Halloween prank. But then slowly but surely, he realized sadly it was not. Devin wept as he ran from the room and out of the house, realizing that his family had been murdered. Devin quickly calls his aunt for help, and she arrives and calls 911. So detectives arrive, and they find that Bill and Susan had been shot to death in their bed. According to the coroner, Bill Lisk was shot five times in the head and face. Susan had been raped and then shot three times at close range. Devin had an older brother named Derek who also had a room in the house, which was shockingly locked upon the arrival of police. So police kick in the door and they find Derek curled up in bed facing the wall. The coroners estimated his death as a result of blunt force trauma and most likely he died within minutes of the first blow. Investigators had found a bloody claw hammer in the house as well as muddy footprints near the family's pond on the deck leading police to believe this is where the other weapon had been disposed of. The pond was drained, resulting in no weapon. Ottawa County Sheriff Bob Bratton confirmed the deaths of Bill Lisk, Susan Lisk, and their 23-year-old son, Derek Griffin. There was no apparent evidence of a struggle, and all three bodies were found in their beds. 
William Lisk had a younger son whose name was B.J. Lisk Jr., and he was immediately identified as a suspect. He was charged with one count of murder right away at the time of arrest. This allowed them to hold B.J. until the case was presented to the grand jury. So thankfully, Devin had actually spent the previous night at his biological father's house, and he returned to the house that morning just to change into his church clothes. He says that he remembers seeing his stepbrother BJ at the house that morning, but he ultimately really didn't think much of it. Which I guess you wouldn't. Like, I don't, I wouldn't think much of it if I just saw my step-siblings at the house, you know? As early as 2002, Bill Lisk had called law enforcement because the then 16-year-old BJ had threatened to harm himself, and he was also on house arrest at the time. According to police records, B.J. Lisk attacked the officers when they arrived and faced charges in juvenile court of assaulting a peace officer. Then, in 2004, B.J. Lisk gets into a fight with his stepmother and he, strike, he strikes her hard in the chest. Two months later, police charge him with felonious assault and robbery for allegedly hitting Susan Lisk with a coffee cup and then stealing her car keys. He was found incompetent to stand trial on those charges, which were eventually dropped. B.J. Lisk had had at least three encounters with police after he was moved to a Sandusky group home for mental health patients. Among those incidents was a physical fight between B.J. Lisk and his dad after Bill Lisk picked him up from the group home. So what we're seeing, we're just seeing like multiple incidents here where it's like, okay, yes, police were involved, but... Was anything, like, actually done? Was anything taken seriously? Because all I see is somebody's behavior progressing, and all I see is his dad trying to help but not really having the resources available. He's reaching out to the resources that he does have available, and it's not really it's not really clicking to them. It's not really the severity of the situation. It doesn't really seem to be ringing any bells in anyone's head besides bills, and maybe not even bills. We'll talk about that. So after the triple homicide, friends and family members tell authorities that other violent outbursts had actually occurred with BJ. Bill Lisk had kicked his son out of the house after BJ, who was 18 at the time, attempted to attack Susan as she showered. BJ Lisk had a strained relationship with his stepmother from the very start. After his parents' divorce, BJ Lisk started skipping school and misbehaving, neighbors said. When Bill and Susan got married in 2001, Susan attempted to impose order in the house, and her stepson resented the new roles. So investigators interview a family friend, his name is Mark Gradell, and Mark writes in a report that Bill often calls him to help if BJ had started to cause problems. Mark writes, Bill would say, hey, come over, it's BJ, or BJ is getting goofy. But on at least one occasion, Derek called Mark because BJ and Bill were physically fighting. Despite the fights, Bill Lisk never gave up on his son. In February 2006, he filed for guardianship over BJ. According to court records, the 18-year-old had been hospitalized in 2007 for bipolar disorder. Mr. Lisk wants to protect William and get him the help that he needs, the guardianship application states. He would eventually like to see him in a halfway house or a group home. When William is on his medication, he does really good. After a while, he will stop taking it because he thinks he's okay and he starts drinking and smoking pot. 
After BJ moves into the halfway house in Sandusky, Bill visits him on a consistent basis. The week before the murders, Mark Gradell tells investigators that Bill had actually taken some vacation time and took his son BJ deer hunting. They went to the family's hunting cabin in Carroll County, and they returned home to Ottawa County less than 24 hours before the murders took place. Mark says that he had some serious talks with Bill on a few occasions about the family's safety being jeopardized by BJ potentially, but Bill would tell Gradell, BJ won't hurt us. Which is just like, this is what you want to believe, right? And this is what I mean. Maybe maybe Bill wasn't aware of how severe it was, but this is what I mean. Like, you want to believe, like, that your son wouldn't, but you just don't know, especially when people with mental health disorders are the ones in question. You just don't know what their mental what their mental health is going to make them do or, like, what a voice inside their head could potentially tell them to do. You have to be careful. You have to treat all of these situations as severe as they really are to avoid anything like this, unfortunately. I mean, I hate that. I really hate that. Neighbors suspect BJ of killing and torturing pets in the neighborhood. Mark's dog was shot twice with a twenty-two caliber bullet. Mark said it was a hard conversation to have because BJ was Bill's only son and Bill would never see the bad, even though Bill had received physical injuries from BJ, investigators wrote. After Bill Lisk and his son returned home from hunting that Saturday before Halloween, they got a few beers together with friends. Mark, who was at this gathering, tells investigators that everyone had a good time, that it was pretty chill, that everybody was just kind of hanging out. But Mark also says that he didn't see Derek Griffin, Susan's 23-year-old son, at the little get-together, but that it wasn't super unusual because Derek and BJ didn't really get along super well. BJ rarely spent the night at the house because of past violent fights between him and the rest of the family. But that night, Bill had been drinking, BJ had been drinking, and he just didn't really think it was a good idea, you know, to drive his son back to Sandusky that night. Just wanted to be safe. The party broke up about midnight, according to the investigators' reports. When investigators had searched the house after the murders, they did find a bed made up on the living room sofa that clearly had been for BJ the night before. Mark's wife, Michelle, tells investigators that she heard what sounded like gunshots about 6.30 in the morning on October 31st. According to phone records, Derek Griffin last spoke to someone at 2.02 p.m. on October 30th. Devin, who I mentioned spent the weekend at his dad's, came home to change for church at about 9.30 that morning approximately, and he tells investigators that he encountered BJ when he came home the first time that morning. He changed and left all in about five minutes. BJ, which this is just fucking makes me sick, and this is where it's like... It crosses over between, like, okay, is this your mental health that made you do this, or is this premeditated? Because when they release details like this in an investigation and questions and conversations like this happen before murders, this is what kind of makes me think, like, okay, like, mental health absolutely can be a cause for erratic behavior, but when you're premeditating and asking questions ahead of time, are you able to blame that on your mental health or is that planned? 
So BJ that morning asked Devin what he was doing and how long he was going to be gone. So why were you asking that? Were you asking that so you could murder the family? Or were you asking that because the family was already murdered and you were just trying to come up with an escape plan? Either way, you were asking for a reason. You were asking because you knew that was going to be done or it was already done. I don't really know. Devin said that he couldn't think of anything else that was said, but stated that BJ was acting happier. To explain, Devin stated that normally BJ's pretty gloomy. I asked Devin what made him think that BJ was acting happier. Devin stated it was because he was happier. He was more upbeat and more talkative. Devin stated that BJ is normally slow and darkish, investigators wrote. After Jeff and Griffin left the house for church, BJ Lisk took the family's Ford F-150 and drove it to the same hunting cabin in Carroll County. He was there less than an hour when Carroll County Sheriff deputies descended upon the camp and took him into custody, which is just like crazy to me. Less than an hour. They must have had not another fucking suspect, not another fucking suspect, not an ounce of confusion there. Back home, Ottawa County authorities discovered the extent of the crime scene. Devin Griffin's aunt, Lori Morse, called them to the house that sits on about 100 acres. Her nephew had called her in a panic about what he saw, and she went to the house to console him and immediately call authorities. Like I mentioned, Bill was shot five times in the head and face at about a range of one to two feet. He was lying in a natural sleeping position, and he had the covers pulled up over him. Susan was sprawled more awkwardly, as if she might have potentially been moved, but like I mentioned, she had been raped, so that made sense. She was shot three times, again at what investigators suspect was close range, and the bullets were small caliber, likely a twenty-two. And Derek, like I mentioned, died from the blunt force trauma, and they believe that the weapon was the claw hammer. The weapon and other evidence from around the house were sent to the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation for forensic testing. When detectives from the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office went to the Carroll County cabin to look for evidence, they found they had found an uneaten Subway sandwich on the counter. BJ apparently didn't have time to eat before the deputies burst in on October 31st, which is just like so comical to me. Like, I mean... It's not, none of this is funny, but you know what I mean? Like, dude murders his whole family and then stops at fucking Subway. Like, who, what, what mindset are you in? Like, okay, yeah, well, let me kill my mom, my stepdad, and my stepbrother, and then I'm going to get a fucking $5 footlong because I'm hungry. You know, after all of that, I am starving. Like, what? And that's what another reason why, like, I don't know if it's, like, the mental health thing because I don't know how any sane person could fucking stop at Subway after they just murdered their whole fucking family. But, two, also it could be premeditated because if he really just didn't give a fuck, like, dude was just calm and decided to stop at Subway afterward. I don't know. Like, that's insane. He stopped at Subway. That ruined Subway for me. I almost only want to eat Firehouse from now on. (laughs) The detectives obtained security footage from the Subway restaurant near the camp, and they, the footage obviously shows BJ purchasing the sandwich. Fucking BJ. 
BJ pleads guilty in 2011 to three counts of aggravated murder. In exchange for his plea, prosecutors agreed to not seek the death penalty and instead recommend BJ be sentenced to life without parole, according to the Sandusky Register. BJ, who was 29 at the time, was found dead in his cell on March 31st from a self-inflicted injury. Before his sentencing in 2011, September, BJ apologizes for killing his father, his stepmother, and his stepbrother, blaming mental illness and Satan for his actions. And that is the... Lisk family murders a case that I feel like some people know about but it's not as talked about and it should be because it's fucking wild like this all happened on Halloween dude murdered his family on Halloween and then stopped at Subway <laughs> what bizarre as fuck literally bizarre so you guys will definitely have to let me know what you think about this case like whether you think it was mental health issues to the extreme or premeditated and being pushed off as mental health issues I don't really know let me know what you guys think and let me know if you find any more information or details regarding the case that I did not mention Um, I will be posting some pictures up on the Instagram of the family BJ the house all kinds of stuff. So make sure that you follow the podcast Instagram at Suspect Podcast. You'll see about all episodes on there, any kind of giveaways, anything new relating to the podcast you can find on there. Um, if you're looking to follow my personal as well, you can find that linked in the podcast Instagram bio. So I post about the podcast on both my personal and the podcast Instagram. So either one, you will be able to keep up. Either one, you will be able to keep up with all things new suspect. So thank you to all of you who have already followed that. If you haven't already left a rate and a review on Apple Podcast, please, please do that. It takes like literally like 10 seconds. Just leave me a little comment. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like. Rate me a star, five stars, hopefully. It really helps boost the podcast audience more than you guys know on Apple Podcast. So greatly appreciate everybody who's already done that and everybody who does that while they're listening to this. I would appreciate you. Again, for my Spotify listeners, make sure that you're checking for this week's question underneath the episode notes. Um, it's going to be about the Halloween movies, but make sure that you make sure that you check that out and read that, answer it, and I'll pin your comment up on my Spotify question board. If any of you listening have any kind of crazy crime stories, crazy creepy stories, scary stories, any kind of story really that you would like to share, please send that over to suspectpodcast1 at gmail.com and I will read it on the podcast and talk about your story a little bit. Kind of like what My Favorite Murder does if you guys have listened to that, but um, yeah, I really like that. I think that'd be interesting, so Stay tuned for the Halloween series episodes coming up. I have a lot of really good ideas, and I promise you guys do not want to miss out on those. Thank you all for listening. Again, I love you all very much. You guys have been killing, blowing up the listens on the podcast. I've seen more listens on the podcast in the last three months than I have in the year and a half that I've had it. So 
You guys are fucking rock stars. I love you. Never forget that. Please share this podcast with a friend. Post it to your Instagram story, Facebook story. Send it to your 60-year-old aunt that likes watching Forensic Files. I don't really care. Please share it. I appreciate you. Until next time, guys, stay tuned for another episode within the next day or two. I love you guys. Enjoy the beginning of your week. Happy Monday. Good vibes only. Manifesting good things for all of you. Thank you. Bye.